Today, we're going to dig into self-worth and all the ways that a lack of self-worth can affect our recovery and affect our lives. If you've ever struggled with people-pleasing, setting boundaries, fear of failure, or if you've ever found yourself wondering, who am I? Stay tuned. We had a great conversation that we think you're really going to enjoy. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. So we have a fantastic group of people here tonight. I'm going to have everybody give a quick introduction. Christina, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Christina. I am in my early 40s and I'm a public educator. I live in Western Colorado and today is number 943 without alcohol. Very cool. Really awesome. And next we have Tim. Yeah. So my name's Tim Phillips. I have a podcast that I host called the Sober and Happy Podcast. You can find it on any of your podcast apps, or you could go to soberandhappy.com, find out more about me. I've been sober since 2011. My journey started in rehab. I did AA for a while and just found that it wasn't aligning with what I was looking for. So after about five or six years in AA, I kind of went out on my own path and really started discovering what works for me. And so that's what I talk about. Really cool. Excellent. Really, really yeah. cool. Steve's kind of on that same path. So I think you guys will have quite a bit in common. And I have really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I will also put contact information for Tim in our show notes. So you guys can check that out. And last but not least, we have Jessica back for a second time. Hi, my name is Jessica. I am a mom of two. I live in Connecticut. I work as a paralegal. And I've been sober since August 12th of 2021, or no, 2022. So it's been six months. And yeah, I don't know if there's anything else. (laughs) Awesome. You just hit six months. Congratulations. That's that's a big milestone. That's really good. That's really amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you guys all for being here tonight. If there's one topic that comes up more than any other in nearly every sober conversation I've been in, it's self-worth. A lack of self-worth seems to be at the base of so many of the reasons that we drank. From letting people walk all over us, to perfectionism, to not creating the life that we want, to believing we deserve a life in recovery, low self-worth can hold us down forever if we let it. So how have you struggled with self-worth? And what has that looked like in your life? What are you doing to increase your self-worth? And how has that manifested in your life in recovery? It's kind of a big topic. Yeah, it is. I don't think we're going to cover everything that could be said about it. I think for me, including, or, you know, you mentioned that self-worth bubbles up in most every conversation. I think boundaries do as well. And self-worth and boundaries really... Uh, peas in a pod for me. The longer I'm sober, the more I notice what I will and will not tolerate. And, um, you know, when I was drinking, I thought 
I deserved the bad things that came my way. And so I just, you know, rolled over and took it. And now that I've got some sober time and some reflection, you know, I can kind of stand in my own strength and say, actually, that's not okay with me. And that wouldn't really, that wouldn't have really happened if I hadn't had the the clarity of sobriety and just the time to reflect. So I'm also a very firm believer in fake it till you make it. (laughs) So, you know, those, especially early days, you're like, oh God, am I going to make it to 9 p.m.? Um, And you do, and you pat yourself on the back and you go to head, go to bed, clear headed, wake up without a hangover and fake it all again the next day. And I think (laughs) the same can come for self-worth if you're, you know, exploring, of course, we're talking about sobriety today, but if we're, if you're exploring a new career, if you're, you know, looking into a new relationship, whatever it is, if you just kind of know that failing doesn't just absolutely mean death, that you can kind of ease your way into it and learn from your mistakes, the nice side effect of that is some increased self-worth. Yeah. The the fear of failure thing came up for me when I was just thinking about this topic. And for me, since I can remember, even as a little girl, if I failed in some way, if I got a bad grade on a test, if I made a friend mad at me or disappointed my parents or whatever it was, even all the way back then, that directly affected my self-worth. And that's just carried on into adulthood. And the fear of failure has kept me from doing, I mean, even as far, even quitting drinking, right? Like I was so afraid that I was going to quit. I would never tell anybody I was quitting because I was so afraid I was going to fail. And then that would make me look like a failure and everybody would know. And like, it just, it, it dragged into everything. And I think just just that fear of failure is, is a big piece of the self-worth struggles that a lot of us go through. You say the one thing there, Julie, the everyone's going to know. Like it matters so much what everyone thinks. Like my self-worth hinged on that so much, so much. You know, what is everyone going to think? Everyone's going to think this or somebody's opinion, right? And then... You know, I was, I just hung off the affirmations of others. I needed the affirmations of others just to like make me feel like I was good or I had worth. (laughs) Yeah, I had value. And it it always came from the outside. I, you know, from doing something crazy or making someone laugh. And, you know, there's, there's that little hit of dopamine. Ooh, I did it. But it always was so short. Mm-hmm. It was so short lived. It was, and then it's like you got to do again and again and again and again and again, only only to end up feeling essentially empty at the end because it never came from an authentic place. It never came from like within. I never stood up for myself. I there's the you talk about that and then saying no, and then saying sorry with intention. And certain things where saying sorry for something that I wasn't responsible for and not saying no is complete self-abandon. And there goes all of my worth with it because I'm handing it over to someone else that I'm expecting to treat 
the way I need them to treat it without having communicated it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I feel like the whole concept of self worth is such a big part too. For me, I know it was a huge part. It was a cycle and it was like, um, I was drinking and then I would do things or say things or just feel horrible and not be the kind of person I wanted to be. And then I would feel so bad about myself. I would just do it again the next night because, well, why, why not? You know, like I felt horrible, so I'm just going to keep drinking because there's no point in trying to do better because I'm going to fail at that. And just feeling like I didn't have any sort of like healthy outlet. I didn't have really any hobbies. I mean, the kids take up a lot of my time, but I recently started doing the CrossFit and that is like such a big, that's just something like I channel my energy into so much now. And I feel like it's for me. I, I go to class at 6am. So it's just my time. It's just me. It's before the rest of the family's up and it helps me to feel a sense of self-worth and it also, I like, I couldn't have done that while I was drinking. There's no way I could have woken up. Even if I went to a later class, I would have been hung over. I just, I always felt terrible. So choosing to stop drinking has, it's a slow process, but it has given me the ability, I guess, to find things that build up my self-worth and that make me feel better. Quitting drinking was you showing yourself that you were worthy. Mm. It's the first step in doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So when I listen to you guys talking, there's, a, I, I love stories. So I'm a big storyteller. I learn a lot from stories. And one that came up to mind, so there's a story of a golden Buddha. So in Bangkok, there's this Buddha statue that's nine feet tall. It's like six tons. And I think it's worth like $250 million just in its weight in gold. But for 200 years, the monks in that monastery did not know that that the Buddha had that much value because 200 years prior when the, when they were being invaded, some of the monks to try to hide the value covered it up with a lot of clay and broken pieces of glass. Cause they didn't want the army to see the true value. So what happened is when that army came through, it killed, unfortunately killed all the monks in that monastery. So no one knew of the true value of it until they're about to relocate it 200 years later. And the clay cracked just a little bit. And that one monk saw the value shining through. So the reasons why I love that story is, one, I think we all have a golden Buddha inside of us. And I think that a lot of things, that's our self-worth, that's our value, you know. And and like Julie talked about, a lot of that layers that we get covered up starts when we were a kid. You know, it's good, loving people that we have in our life often mm -hmm. are applying their limiting beliefs onto us. And it may be well-intentioned. You know, but what it does is it starts breaking down our self-worth. Because if you think of a little kid, they're not born with low self-worth. You watch a kid trying to learn to walk. When they fall down, they don't give up, get up and say, you know what? I suck at walking. I'm never right. going to try again. Mm -hmm. they, they, you know, they get back up. They try it again. You know, and that's the that's what we're born with. But and then especially, you know, like Jessica was talking about, when we come into recovery, like most of us have a whole bunch of things that we come into that we're ashamed of things that we did when yeah. that and and so often we focus so much on those things that we don't actually see our own true value mm -hmm. so i mean the things that we need to do one is recognize those cracks 
You know, whatever it is that you could be proud about yourself today, focus on that. You know, I, I work with a lot of guys that, that, you know, say, you know, I'm a horrible father. And I said, okay, well, let's, what do you think a good father would be? Write down those qualities. And as they do it, they start to notice that they actually do possess a lot of the qualities that they consider a good father, but they're so focused on the mistakes that they don't recognize those good qualities that they do possess. And then you need to start working at cracking away more of those layers of it. So what are the other qualities you want to possess and then start working towards it? You know, like Christina said, you know, or, uh, I'm sorry, who, someone talked about fake it till you make it. I think it was Christina, Christina yep. you know, and so it's, it's a lot of things that you could do like that. And I know a lot of people don't like the term fake it because you know, they think we're faking it. So if you don't like the term, don't focus on that. Leave it till you achieve it. You know, find a yeah. term that you like and just move on and start working towards it. And then the last thing about that, like we need to find people like that monk that saw that one crack in it and decided to keep chipping away. So mm -hmm. a lot of times we have people in our lives that that may not be the most supportive when we're trying to change. They want to keep pointing out the bad things that we did in the past. And it could be for several reasons. Maybe they're still angry. Maybe that they're they're insecure that we're changing and growing and that shining a light on some of their deficiencies. So it's real key. And I know Christina was the one who talked about like how important it is to set boundaries. And that's what I had to do early in recovery is the people who wanted to continue to change and point out my, my faults and my past mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, I just had to have a conversation and said, hey, look, I'm changing. I'm becoming a new person. I know I made mistakes in the past, but that's my past and it's not who I am today. So I need you to to love and support and and not remind me of that. And if they're unable to do that, you know, mm -hmm. I had to just move on from them because mm -hmm. yeah. we kick ourselves enough while we're down. We don't need help from other people. Definitely don't need help yeah. from other people. It's interesting you you say that. You know, there's so many times like you do 10 things that are good. You do like you're having the greatest day and one thing all mm -hmm. 10 of those just get erased. Yeah. Right. And it's the one thing. And it doesn't even have to be a big thing. Sometimes it's like one of the smallest things, that one thing. All of the good disappears behind the bad. I mean, I guess one of the most beautiful things about sobriety is, is now the good is overtakes the bad. Like there's the one bad part, but the, the, that one bad part is just the lesson that I get to figure out what I'm going to do next with or what to figure out. And then it all blends in with the good instead of the other way around. Cause the good yeah. always disappeared into the bad regardless before and it's yeah. And it's hard to focus on the positive because we're, and, and like you were talking about, a lot of times we look for outside reassurance that we're a good person. So you can see someone do something good. They are excited about it. They post it on Facebook or Instagram. They could have 50 comments of like, Oh, wow, you're amazing. And then one person could comment that, oh, you're mm -hmm. just being good because you're looking for attention. And all of a sudden, it takes away all of the joy that they got from from that act. Yeah. 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 That's so I, true. One of the things I thought about when I was on my way here was, this, okay, one of the things I needed when I first got into sobriety is I needed the affirmations from everyone else to see what I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I started actually taking that in, I had to learn that I didn't need that anymore because I am actually that reflection. Yeah. And and now I'm at, now we're at the point I'm at the point we're at the point where I have a podcast, I'm on social media, 
the likes are coming in and it's it's like what is the value of the thought that i just put out there what is the like how many times was that viewed and 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 i can get wrapped up in that and then hold the the value of the thought to the candle of how many likes and views were given it and 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 so it was one of the conversations that i actually had with julie it made it as far as the message needed to go so it made it to the person who needed to hear it and that was it that's the way i've made this okay with me for you know if it has one like or two likes it made it to the person that needed to hear it and i think that's like that's really helped me be okay with just this this is my thought I like it. It means something to me. I get to share it now. Mm -hmm. You guys have sparked a couple of thoughts for me. So when Tim was talking about the golden Buddha, that also kind of makes me think about authenticity and how we cover up everything that we really are with all of these different masks and good deeds and fancy Facebook posts and, you know, Pinterest perfect houses. And we, cover up everything that's actually inside. I think authenticity for me has been, and I've talked about it before, it's been the foundation of of what recovery is for me because I was always trying so hard to be everything I thought I was supposed to be because I didn't have any any value in who I really was. And like Steve was saying, when you show up in a recovery community, it means so much in the beginning when people do give you those words of affirmation. The difference for me was that I showed up as me, as broken and flawed and hurting and all of those things. And I just, I just let that show. And then I still, when, when it was just me, like raw and no, no, nothing pretty on the outside, not pretending to be anything. And then people still had things to say to me, think positive things, affirmations. That was really meaningful because I was allowing myself to really be seen. And I think authenticity goes a really long way in our self-worth. When I was doing the perfectionist mom thing for, you know, like my whole mom career, all of those nice words that people said were not about me. They weren't about the authentic real version of me. They were about this persona that I had created. And so all of those nice words, I kept working for them and working for them because they felt good for like a minute, but they never really they never really hit home. They never really hit my core because I had too many walls up and too many masks on to let those have any value. I think until we really get in touch with who we really are and start letting people really see that, our self-worth is probably still going to struggle and suffer. And that part is really scary. It's If you show up fake, the affirmation that you get that with it, isn't real either. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I don't know how it is further into recovery. I'm only six months in, but you know, the days ebb and flow. I mean, some days are great and I feel, you know, I feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, you know, I got it together. Everything's great. And then some days like just not good days. And I just feel like, Ugh. like I'm not, I'm just not like performing at the potential, like at my full potential. And I know because I've seen the good days and I know what I'm capable of now. I'm, you know, even on my good days, I'm not 
perfect, obviously, but it's good enough for me. And so just having those bad days kind of, it just makes it hard. And it just kind of like brings me back to, you know, that feeling that I had when I was drinking. And it's just, I'm wondering, you know, will it, will it get to a point where I feel better more often? And then I think about, I think it was John, the, the podcast that I was on previously. And I think it was John that said, it's not realistic for him as an individual to feel like super happy all the time. It's just not him. And I, that resonated with me because I'm, I'm kind of like a depressy person. I always have been. And I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. That's just part of my personality. So maybe I'm trying to attain something that's just like not feasible for me personally. You know, there are very like bubbly, happy people. That's just not, I'm, I don't, I'm not, I don't like operate at that level, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of, I'm down here. (laughs) Well, that's authenticity. Value is put in being an extrovert and being bubbly and being positive all the time. And the poor introverts, I'm one of them. We, you know, get like pushed and pushed and pushed to just be, be that. And without introverts, without quiet, reflective people, we wouldn't have the inventions that we have. Right. And I just to kind of, circle back on what Steve mentioned about the likes and the, you know, we have to remember that most technology is designed to be addictive. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so when we place our self worth in the number of likes or how many comments we get, then of course it's going to be extrinsic motivation. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you guys asked me at the beginning, am I on Instagram? No, because I'm afraid of that kind of stuff happening to me. That, mm-hmm. that like, really, if you're going to really ask me why, I mean, I love to look at photos and videos and, yeah, sure, cute cat videos all day. But <laughs> do I want to hinge how I'm feeling on that? But, okay, one other thing on on what you were just saying, Jessica, is early on, if I had just known that there were going to still be bad days, I think I would have been more easy on myself. Like I thought, okay, I'm sober. Everything's going to be roses, right? That's That was the one thing that was wrong in my life and fixed that, everything's going to be great. And two and a half years in, I still have bad days. But that is, that's that other side of that perfection. We're still humans. We're mm-hmm. still going to have bad days. And just to like know that, I don't know, for me, it was a game changer to be like, okay, just because I'm having a bad day doesn't mean I'm going to drink. And it doesn't mean that I'm tomorrow's going to be worse. Like it is what it is. Yeah. And I think sometimes it helps to remember people who don't have addiction problems still have bad days. They still don't feel like they're performing to their full potential. They still struggle to get through a day. It's just a part of life. I think that that's just life being life for you. I think you said something, Jessica, that was really important at the very beginning of when you were talking. And it was about on your good days, you feel like you're good enough for you. Mm. That right there is the definition of self-worth to me. I am good enough for me. There was one day that just, it was, I was on the phone talking to Steve 
It was kind of out of the blue. And I was like, I am good enough for me. And I felt that in my core for the first time ever. And that was kind of like, it was an earth shattering moment just there in the middle of the day, because that was the first time I ever felt like I could say I'm good enough for me right now. I'm good enough for me. I like the person that I am now. And also a little bit of, I can forgive myself for my mistakes when I make them. Mm-hmm. And just being able to say those things has changed my life. I mean, not to say that I don't still struggle. I definitely still struggle, but most days now I'm good enough for me. And if you can let that be enough, if you can find a way for that to be enough, I think that, that is inherently what self-worth is, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jessica, I've been sober 11 years, so I'll let you know one for me, bad days still happen. But what changed for me is one, I have less than I did before. My bad days look different today. So like if I have a bad day, like I don't think about going and drinking. Like I haven't thought about having a drink in probably eight years. You know, it hasn't crossed my mind. So, but what I do with those bad days is one, like at the end of the day, if I just had a day where I'm like, I just did not feel it. I look, was there any learning lessons? Did I make any mistakes that I could grow from? Did I not do something that I know makes me feel better? Like you said, you feel great about going to CrossFit. Did you skip CrossFit that day? Okay, Mm -hmm. maybe I should go to CrossFit on a day that I say I'm going to. So you can learn from it. And then some days we just aren't going to feel it. Like we've turned into within you know, with, with so much of social media, I think we've turned into this society that thinks that we're supposed to have good days and be happy all the time. But like, we're given different emotions for a reason. Like, yes. and I'm mm-hmm. not talking about, I'm not talking about huge levels of depression where you're suicidal. I'm talking about just feeling a little depressed. Most of the time when I'm just feeling a little depressed, it's usually because I'm not doing something I'm supposed to be doing, or I'm doing something I'm not supposed to be doing. So like yeah. for me, mild, like just not feeling it, depression usually is like that emotion doing what it's supposed to do. Like it's supposed to motivate me to do better, to grow, to to stop making mistakes. So I could look at it and say, okay, what can I learn from this? And then just, if you made a mistake, be gentle on yourself. Like we're going to make mistakes. We're going to hit roadblocks. And the key is like, are you still moving forward? And then just, and some days I just have a bad day and I don't know why. And on those days, I just have to remind myself that like, you know what, I've had bad days before and they're not forever. So long mm-hmm. when we have a bad day, we get stuck in this like permanent, we, we want to make a temporary feeling permanent. And a lot of times we make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. And that's usually where we, where you see people relapse, where you see it like, because it, it feels like, oh my God, I'm going to feel like this forever. But you have to look back like, oh, I had a bad day like this a week ago. I woke up the next morning and I felt fine. So you know what? I'm going to push through this day. I'm going to keep doing what I know makes me feel better. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to attack tomorrow and just be gentle on yourself. And sometimes I have a bad day and I'm like, you know what? Normally I don't go to bed till 11. I'm going to bed at nine tonight. Like I'm just done with this day. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to start all over. And and a lot of times and I give myself permission to do that, you know, because I know I, I'm my hardest critic. And I think most people in here could probably say the same thing. And mm-hmm. so like, I think like I, the level of perfection that I used to hold myself up to, and I still struggle with that today it is ridiculous. And all it does is really just keep us down. Yeah. I like what you said there about emotions. And I think that's one that, that 
that can be reiterated that emotions are messengers. The reason we feel things is because they're bringing us some kind of message. It's our job to figure out what that message is. And so if you are feeling down or if you're feeling frustrated or whatever that is, if you can stop and just look at what what has happened that day or where you're at in your head, a lot of times it's just in your perspective. I think there's just so much to be said for that. We all tend to think that the negative emotions or the bad days or the depressive days are a bad thing. And really, it's just an emotion coming to tell us we need to look a little deeper and figure out what's going on. I think it comes down to sometimes just learning to sit in it a little bit. Even though you're uncomfortable or you don't know what it's called or you haven't named it, so you're a little melancholy. Maybe you're more melancholy than you'd like to be, but that's just how you are. That's kind of the way I was kind of describing it when you were in in my head when you were saying, there's a friend of ours and he describes it as melancholy. Uh, and he's an introvert too. And he talks about it in a positive way, which is interesting. But he he, he did some reading and, and he goes, this is pretty much kind of where I sit. And it was really, really cool the one time to hear him talk about it like that in a meeting and just be completely okay with it. And he is. It's just really neat to see that. And he found something that he could relate to in a way where it like it, it it stuck. He's like, yeah, that's that's where I sit. This makes sense to me now. So it's okay if it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to. Yeah. Right. It's more or less like making the attempt. Every time you make another attempt, you learn a little bit something new and make an attempt. It's like failure is an amazing thing in sobriety if we just let ourselves do it. Because you're gonna inherently get more self-worth by getting up and trying again. Mm-hmm. That is the truth. There's a book if if you're struggling with actually just like embracing your introvertness. That's uh, it's by Susan Cain. It's called Quiet: The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. And uh, it is an amazing, amazing. book. It it is. It, and she she studied introverts and and she talks about the power of introverts and why it's important to have introverts. The world was all extroverts. It'd be crazy. But how it talks about the importance of both of them and, and how the world needs both to function. So that's something that I would suggest because it really helped me. I mean, like you get me one-on-one or with a small group of people, I won't shut up. You put me at a dinner party, like that's it. I shut down. So like it really helped me embrace that part of me. And so it's a good book. I would suggest it. Nice. I think everything that we're doing here is the sardine that's swimming against the stream and the introvert, you know, always feel, well, not always, but is pressured to feel like they need to speak more. The person at the party is pressured to drink more. You know, we are now exploring our own inner depths, our caverns, and we have to stop and say, is this truly me? Or is this something that somebody taught me that I'm feeling like is me? And that beat, that pause is where the growth happens, of course, but then it's also where the friction is, right? Because we are we are the anti-society. We are the, are the anti-path right now. And that's a tough road to walk every single day, especially alone, which brings us to this community that we're sitting in right now and the amazing resources that are available for sobriety. And I think 
One thing you said that really stuck out to me was like that you drank to try to not be an introvert, to feel comfortable in a party, to to feel. And I think that right there it takes us back to the self-worth. You felt there was something wrong with you. And so many times we drink to try to avoid like or to, to make us feel better or to avoid emotions. And instead of facing them, and like someone said earlier, like uh, it was Steve talking about like sitting with those emotions. Like, I, I hate it, but my therapist tells me all the time that the only way is through, not around. Like, you have <laughs> mm-hmm. to sit with the emotion because that's what we do. We drink to try to avoid feeling bad, whatever yeah. it is, whether it's guilt or not feeling enough. That's why we drink. So until we actually start feeling those emotions and and working through them instead of trying to avoid them, because trying to avoid them is the same pattern as any addiction. You're just uh-huh. whatever you're using now, whether it's you know, social media, sitting on your phone, uh, eating, like you pick, pick any other bad habit. And I don't think like it's a cross addiction thing. I think it's just people haven't healed yet and they're looking for something else to cover up that, that emotion. Mm -hmm. It's also hard when you've been drinking for so long. And I think just, it comes with age and experience. It's hard to know. Well, like I struggle with who am I, who is, who am I? Because I drank all throughout my twenties and I'm 36 now, and it's only been six months. So that's something I'm really trying to figure out is like, okay, who am I? What, like I was drinking to numb a lot of really uncomfortable stuff, but now that I'm not drinking, what am I capable of? You know, like, what are my interests? What do I like what sets my soul on fire type stuff, you know? And it's just, I'm still trying to figure it out because I'm, I'm really not sure. Like if someone were to ask, you know, what do you like to do? It's like that first date question. That's like the horrible, I would have said drink, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but I don't really know. You know, I just, because my life, I feel for the most part is really mundane. You know, I have two little kids and it's just really like, I just, I go, I go to work and I keep them alive. And I recently started, you know, doing CrossFit, which I love, but like really like the deep stuff, I'm not totally sure who I am deep down yet. And that is okay. It is okay. I think we could probably record an entire podcast episode or five on authenticity, and learning who we are and figuring that out. I will say, since we're doing book recommendations on this episode, Rewired by Erica Spiegelman mm-hmm. absolutely changed my understanding of myself. The first chapter in that book is all about authenticity. And after you read the chapter, there's a list of journaling questions. And I spent like a solid six weeks journaling every single day, digging into those questions and really trying to figure out who I was deep down in my core. And I could probably go through those questions again and discover a lot more. But that was a really great jumping off point for me to at least kind of start exploring that and and narrowing it down and figuring that out. But Steve, I think we need to add authenticity to our our list of, of podcast topics because we, def- we could probably all talk about that. We definitely do. And the way just <laughs> the way you write the honesty that in, in in which you write, Jessica, if you pick up that book and read it and answer those questions with the same honesty that 
you share with us on Instagram, mm. you're going to learn stuff about yourself. You just mm-hmm. are because that's that's the way you like what you write is is really beautiful and it's really authentic and it's and it's it's real. You're not afraid to be real and when you're not afraid to be real, that's when you're going to find out who you are. So you're doing you're already doing like really really awesome things. Yeah. yeah. And sh- shameless plug, I do have an episode on my podcast about uh, rediscovering your identity. So awesome. shameless plug, yeah. check that out. But you know what, Jessica? I think the fact that you're asking yourself who you are, mm-hmm. I think that that is so amazing. How many people are 36 years old and has just accepted that they are who they are and they're never going to change? Mm-hmm. You know, so you're asking yourself, who am I? Like, who do I want to be? What do I want to grow into? What kind of mom do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? What type what type of person would you be proud of you being and start working towards that? And you know what? You get to go out and try to see what you like, try things. You tried CrossFit. You like it. You're going to do more of it. So, I mean, that's exciting to go out and try new things, you know, just say, Hey, I don't know. Do I like golfing? Try golfing. Do I like bowling? Try bowling. Do I like, do I want to be in a book club? It doesn't matter. (laughs) Just like pick an activity and just go try it. And I know for introverts, that's a lot harder but that's also part of just kind of embracing who you are. So you may find activities that are more in line with, with someone who's introverted and just try different things and you're going to figure it out. Yeah. And I bet you're going to like who you, who you find in this process. Yeah. You'll uh, you'll, it's just a whole bunch of discovery and it's the game of life. Now you get to play it because you're not blindfolded by everything. Mm-hmm. You just have to accept it the way it is. And try and do the best you can with what you have and try and have some fun with it. Yeah. And let it be a journey. Mm-hmm. It's kind of inspiring, right? It's to think about it. It's kind of, it's exhausting to, to think that, gosh, you know, like people, I think people should be ever changing and wanting mm-hmm. to do better and learn, you know, keep learning, keep, you do the best with what you know at the time so keep trying to do better but it's like oh my gosh it never ends that's tiring (laughs) (laughs) it is don't look at that just look at today yeah Yeah. when you go when you go to crossfit do you get stronger every time you go i hope so (laughs) yeah well you you will and and that's the thing that it's the same thing as growing whatever aspect you want is yeah at first it's really difficult but the more you do it the stronger you get and then you'll actually start looking forward to it Mm -hmm. it's like the video of julie and i doing yoga we both look horrible and it's like getting over the fear of sucking but it's getting over the fear of sucking you when you went and did crossfit the first time how did you feel probably pretty ridiculous oh i i was ridiculous exactly (laughs) exactly right And you went back and you did it again. So you overcame the fear of failure. Tim, you talked about the golden Buddha and the hidden value. I really love that story. We talked about showing up authentically. Because if you show up authentically, the affirmation that you do get from that is also going to be authentic. Setting boundaries, looking at those emotions. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're the messengers. They're telling us, like what Tim explained, you know, they're telling us what we're doing wrong or what we're doing right if we just decide to listen to them. And then self-worth, the topic itself, 
And the one thing I think it took was patience yeah. for me to finally see it and for it to start growing. And I think that's probably one of the most important things is it takes a lot of patience. So I want to say thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Tim, for being on the podcast tonight. Really appreciate your thoughts and really appreciate your time. Yeah, you guys were awesome. Thank you for having us on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was awesome. This whole time, though, Tim, I've been like filling in my own blank on your t-shirt. Sobriety is trending. Trending. <laughs> nice. Yes, right. I love it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Nice. Thanks so much to our listeners for spending your time with us tonight. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode all about forgiveness, forgiving others, and of course, forgiving ourselves. See you then.